Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the populace of listeners who are hungry to hear Pete and Danny's takes on all things Middlebrow. We're going to dive into the most Middlebrow cultural items of all. I'm here with Pete Gamble. Hello. My name is Danny Kelly Stallings. And in Middlebrow Icons, we will be discussing the Oscar winners, Grammy winners for Best Album, and we'll be discussing Pulitzer winners for fiction. Pete, what could be more Middlebrow than the winners of these fine American awards? Almost nothing. It is just cask strength. Middlebrow. Because what is Middlebrow, Pete? Are you asking me to define it? Well, you've defined it before as intellectual tryhards. Oh, that's a much better way of putting it. I forgot that I said it that way. Middlebrow is. That's what it is. Intellectual tryhards. We're uh, we're working on it. We're not geniuses. <laughs> we're not trendsetters. And we're not falling behind. Just hanging out there trying to keep abreast of what's happening. We're like your, your Matt Damons and your Martin Scorsese's and your Steve Buscemi's of the world. And you, what do you think? Do you think Coen Brothers are Middlebrow? Yeah, they're on the higher end of Middlebrow, but yeah. We've said that Saturday Night Live is Middlebrow. Definitely is Middlebrow. Sublime's self-titled album is Middlebrow. Sublime's only eponymous album. Green Day's Dookie is Middlebrow. All these things are Middlebrow. <laughs> anyway, we don't need to get... Green Day's Dookie is Middlebrow? Don't you think so? Or, or Blink-182's uh, Enema of the State? You too. Think about that. You too is like more Middlebrow than Middlebrow. Yeah, you too is almost like... It's a little too on the nose. It is. And sorry, Michael Stipe, but the Beatles are middle brown. Beatles are dead center middle brown. Yeah. Beatles. It's like it's not middle brown's not bad things. You know? No. It's just uh it's just uh smartish popular things. That's it. Smartish popular things. Things that are not lowbrow. So we're not talking about your, you know, pulp novels. And your bowling is lowbrow. Come on. But what we're here today, what we're going to offer you today is uh, we're going to play Pulitzer Squid Game. Pulitzer Squid Game is where we're going to look at the last, the most recent Pulitzer Prize fiction winners that we have read, which is a somewhat limited set. We're working on it. Bring me my champion. (laughs) And we're going to take the last four Pulitzer fiction winners that both Pete and I have read, and we're going to play a game where each of us gets to send one of the four to a grisly machine gun death, just like in that show we all love, The Squid Game, which probably neither of us have watched. Sweet. And the, the four today's four contestants are Cormac McCarthy's The Road, Michael Shabon's The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier, Cavalier and Clay, Philip Roth's American Pastoral, and... The Shipping News by Annie Prue, or E. Annie Prue, if you want to put it that way. So, Pete, let's start with you. Which one would you like to send to a grisly death? Shipping News. It's not even close. Oh, no! Die. Get shot. You didn't like Shipping News. Tell me why. It's not that I didn't like Shipping News. Of those four, Shipping News is the weakest. And it's a little bit of just like, man, this is the problem with Middlebrow sometimes, is that we just do tragedy porn. And that's what the shipping news is. It is tragedy porn of like, it's like an Alexander Payne movie or something. It's like, look at this person. Look at them completely fall apart. Look at them try to resettle. And like, I don't know. I found it to be tough at the end of just like, I get it. This is just... The, the green shoots of hope are so lame and the sadness is so crushing. I just, Aww. it gets to me. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it has a reason other than to show misery. 
I'm saddened by this, Pete. You're in the same camp as my wife. I think the shipping news is a work of genius. And by that, my definition of genius, just absolute genius, is something that I read or watch or listen to. And I think there's no way in hell I could possibly have written this myself. No way I could possibly have created this album or this movie because it just comes from this place that's just like, what the fuck? Where does this even come from? How did you think of this? Right? And that's how I I feel when I read the shipping news. And this to me is one of my top contenders that I would have put at number one or number two on this list. Um, oh, no kidding. It has, it has no plot whatsoever, or at least the plot of the of it is pretty secondary, but it's just a gorgeous, like fun, funny book. I think this is an iconic book. I think everyone who loves good books should at some point read this book, but instead it goes to a grisly machine gun death, just like so many contestants on the squid game. Sad. Okay. Not at all. Thrilled by it. I love it. We're strengthening the herd. (laughs) I would like to send to a grisly death Michael Shabon's The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Interesting. Why? Because to me, this book is so... I don't want to sound like the Gen Zs or the younger millennials or whatever, but to me, this is mid. Isn't that why we're here, though? No, we're here to celebrate good middlebrow culture. We're not here to celebrate things that are mediocre oh, and that have achieved success despite being mediocre. To me, Michael Shabon's The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay is interesting. It's readable. It's fine, but it's not good. And I didn't enjoy it. I finished it. I, I had to plow through it just because... I wanted to finish it, but I didn't like it. And there was nothing about it with a couple of exceptions. There were a few things about The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. The scene where they're smuggling the um, the golem out of out of Prague. Yeah. yeah, and he gets like in it, right? Isn't he getting the box there? and like He puts it in the box. And at that point, I turned to my wife and I said, I think I'm reading a really good book right now. I think it's really, yeah. I think it's really grabbing me. I think we've got something here. But then there were another 400 pages of the book and it just dragged on and on and on. <laughs> it was like this thing where the author kind of bit off more than he could chew. Like he didn't have the life experience to talk about World War II in a meaningful way. Like he wasn't there for it. He didn't live through it, etc. But he tried to do it anyway. And I just didn't like it. So anyway, I won't drone on about the reasons why I didn't love The Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay by Michael Chabon, but um, I will send it to an unceremonious and grisly death. Pete, your take on Cavalier and Clay, if any? I see what you're saying there when it comes to whether or not it's like an important book or, or, or a book that makes like a statement. I think it does a couple of things. I think it it takes something extremely American and shows the unbelievable like story and sort of diversity of that story to bring to life. And I think in a way it exists as a corrective to sort of what they did to the original authors of Superman, you know, where it's like Superman's all these things. It's like, no, no, no. It was this brutal, hard scrabble world of post Holocaust Europe that birthed these things. It was, it was birthed out of despicable anti-Semitism and horrible poverty and he goes through to show that. And I and I think there's something in that that's really good to like show the work of like, no, the superhero thing that you enjoy is an art form for sure. And it was one that is born out of things situations like this. These were the these were the creators. They're amalgams of those people. And I like that. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a sucker for taking things that we accept as, as common and trying to look at them as art forms. And especially like, I think America's really bad with that because 
I don't think we trust ourselves with a lot of art. It's got to be kind of somebody else's art that we do a good job with. Like it took us a long time to realize how good jazz was and why we should study it and how that's like this American thing as opposed to like, you know what I mean? And so comic books are this kind of lower form of art that get elevated to high art. And I consider that to be middle brow, but not mediocre. I like that. The problem with all that is, and I agree, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. The problem is this is fiction and it's pure fiction. And I don't think Michael Shabon lived through this at all, this birth of the comic book hero, nor did oh, certainly I, not. No. Nor I think did he attempt to really genuinely research it. There's a movie, what's that movie? American Splendor with Paul Giamatti. You watch yeah, that yeah, and it's uh, about um Harvey Corman. Yeah, Richard Crumb or whatever, some dude who creates some some comic book stuff, and it's fascinating, and it's based on truth, you know, and that's interesting. And again, we're talking about sort of blending of fact and entertainment, but I enjoyed that a lot, and that was illuminating to me in a way that this wasn't, because it seems to be this one, Michael Chabon's Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay, seems to be very clearly based on a complete lack of experience, and this guy tries to create this reality through his imagination, which I think is not enough. I think you need a little bit of lived experience to mix in with that imagination. Yeah, I think it's a problem if we're not going to take fiction from people who didn't live it. If we're going to require fiction to have, you know, this kind of lived experience, like this documentarian kind of like aspect of it, I think that's bad. I mean, because well, what else can we talk about? That I don't it's think like, it's required because you look at um, Beloved by Toni Morrison, right? She didn't live through slavery, but that book is so good that she might as well have, right? But I think Michael Shabon, he doesn't quite pull it off. Okay, that's different. If you're saying that in order to capture something historically, because I don't know how much Toni Morrison researched Beloved so much as she expressed an idea. Yep. Right? And she put it in historical terms to show it. The question really is whether you pull it off. Yeah, you're right. So you don't, you're not, you're saying you need lived experience to do it. You were like, this book would need lived experience to pull it off. If this is just from someone's imagination, it's not enough. It's, well, I, I could listen to someone making up stories about creators all day. It's not going to do it for me. In let's the just way go, that, no, let's just go sideways in 2001 because Amazing Adventure of Cavalier and Clay, Michael Chabon wins the Pulitzer in 2001. The right. Oscar for Best Picture in that year went to Gladiator obviously none of the people involved in the creation of Gladiator lived through the Roman Empire. Right. But that movie's really good. They pulled it off. They don't, you don't okay. need lived experience. It's just that in Amazing Adventures of, of Cavalier and Clay, his lack of lived experience is on full display. And it's just, a, I see. it's just a bare creation that doesn't. You feel like you're seeing the seams of this. You're like, oh yeah, I see what this guy did here. And it's just not enough to yep. to pull me through. I get that. I get that. It was for me. I, I, I feel like, cause I'm like into comic books and I understand like those sort of pieces. And I, I found that I like that. I thought it was good. Well, uh, I'm also just a sucker for this weird thing that happens in middlebrow American literature. It's one of my favorite things. And every time it exists, I'm excited about it. When a character is able to just completely throw off their like life or opinions and just bail on it. There's something about that. I really, that's basically The Catcher in the Rye, right? The Catcher in the Rye is like, it's a fine book. It doesn't need to be whatever. But the best part of that book is he just decides to leave school and go, screw it. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to go up to New York and get out of here. Mm. You know, I love that. I love it. America has a great tradition of, fuck this, I'm leaving. Exactly. <laughs> you know, which it Cavalier does. and Clay has and and uh, Kerouac has. A, a lot of, a mm-hmm. lot of mm-hmm. these writers have that. And I love it in these books where it's like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> they just like decide to just change. It's it's one of those things I, I just I dearly enjoy in books for some reason. It's weird kink 
about American literature I have. Huck Finn is this like the basis of what Huck Finn is. I, this situation's some bullshit, Jim. Let's go. I'm getting on this barge and I'm going. I know it's ridiculous, but I'm not doing it anymore. I feel like that is almost the spirit of America in a lot of ways. Like, nope, it doesn't have to be like this. Yeah. I dig that. Yeah, it's just like the Paris Accords or the Iran nuclear deal. Why stick around if you're not having a good time? So let's bring it down to our final two contestants, which is Cormac McCarthy's The Road and Philip Roth's American Pastoral. Now, Pete, you are the person who introduced me to Philip Roth. Right around the time he died, you were like, God, I've been reading a lot of Philip Roth. I picked it up. I read a ton of his books. I love his books. I've read probably, I don't know, 10 of them. They're really good. American Pastoral is probably 80th percentile Philip Roth. It's very good. It's not his absolute best, but it's among his best. And then we have Cormac McCarthy's The Road, which I'll just give you my take since I'm on the mic here. I expected to hate Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Really? Because it was such a thing when it came out. It was all like, you gotta read read this book about this post-apocalyptic yeah. world where this guy's like vomiting on the side of the road and like all this shit is dark but it's you know it's so good i expected to dislike it but i really enjoyed it frankly i really liked it it was super short incredibly like spare prose just really simple up the gut run it for three yards and work towards your first down kind of Hemingway style prose workman like oh yeah that's it there's but at the end of the day I don't think there's much there it's kind of like a story that doesn't leave you with anything I didn't walk away with anything and I gave this book Pete a six and a half out of ten I thought it was fine I enjoyed it it was interesting the only thing that I really remember from the book is when they found that survival shelter and they go down in this survival shelter and they like find all this canned food and all this stuff and they just live on yeah. it for like two weeks or whatever other than that there's, i don't have a lot of takeaways from um the road so my vote goes very strongly to american pastoral which is a fabulous fabulous book with a lot of really good stuff in it i love philip roth so it's almost not fair because like anything with philip roth i'm gonna say is worthy of advancing to the next round of our little pretend contest here in which all Pulitzer prize winners will eventually face each other to the death and one of them will succeed emerge victorious but i loved american pastoral it's a fabulous book really really well written really really fun a lot of kind of truths about American society as it evolved from the happy days version of the 50s through the through the 60s and how things changed and then what that meant later on for the generations as they evolved and just really, really interesting stuff in American pastoral. I thought it was fabulous. I loved it. And uh, I would absolutely send the road to a grisly death were it in my power to do so. What about you, Pete? It'd be very McCormick McCarthy-like to give the road a horrible grisly death, right? I mean, that's kind of his jam. This is tough. The, the problem is, is that these are like two of, I think, just the most skilled writers. I'm not saying genius or like, both of them certainly are. Both of them are just craftsmen of what it is they're doing. Unquestionably, uh, Philip Roth is a genius. Yeah, I, I think unquestionably, Cormac McCarthy's a genius. Uh, the thing about American Pastoral is it's nowhere near my favorite Philip Roth book. I don't disagree um, with that at all. And that's and that's my only hang up on it. I, but I think I could make the argument that Philip Roth might be America's greatest writer. I agree. And you know what? And like maybe ever. Just to bring this. Like, I think he might be America's writer. I think he might be the best we've done. You know what, just to bring this full circle in terms of our earlier conversation regarding Michael Shabon, Philip Roth is a writer who writes only and exclusively from experience. Yeah. And that experience is so 
it translates so well. It is so fundamental. I mean, it is so relevant still to today. It's crazy how good it is. It and, is. And how he does it. The best part of American Pastoral, I think, is the dinner party at the end of the book where Lou Lavove just goes on and on and on about the leather tanning industry. Who gives a shit about the leather tanning industry in Newark, New Jersey, right? But it's so founded and grounded in lived experience of Philip Roth. Like he listened to his dad just go on and on about the leather tanning industry and whatever. And he just writes it and he's just like, I don't care what's going to play well on the fucking New York Times bestseller list or whatever. This is my experience. And he tells that story over and over and over throughout his various novels. And it takes, you know, different twists and turns in different books. Like what's the one um, about the sex? fiend puppeteer that's my favorite philip roth book sabbath theater sabbath theater so sabbath theater is dude one. that book is buck wild only philip roth can make a novel about a perverted sex pest puppeteer who loses his side piece and has to console her husband throughout this like tortured he tries to get away from it all again it's got my it's got my thing he drops his life and then moves in with his buddy in new york right wherever they go south on him again and it's like the, the idea that you could take a character like that one of the most unsympathetic bastard characters and all of and make you like feel for him understand him feel sad for him it's crazy it is such a good book i think he said in that book and we're not talking about that book but i think that in that book he set out with a very specific idea i think he he said, okay, can I write a novel where you've got one sort of like perverted, disgraced, sex fiend, irredeemable puppeteer who's jerking off on somebody else's mother's grave? <laughs> And they're yeah, both going to be grave, and they're both going to be present in the scene, and you're going to side with the jerking off guy. Yeah, and not only that, you might cheer up a little bit. Yep. And I it's think the craziest damn thing I ever heard. And if you don't believe me, you haven't read Philip Roth. And I'm just telling you, Middlebrow America, you should try him out again because he is very accessible. It's so readable. It's it's sexy. It's weird. It's fascinating. It's crazy. It's so good. It's such a treat. I would have a hard time ever taking him off any list. It's so even good. though I love Cormac McCarthy, I have no problem. The road's good. It's solid. It's great. It's, it's not his best. Fine. Book. It's not his best book either, and I, I get tired of the biblical stuff on it too. So so are we comfortable? Accord, promoting? man. Let's move it on. Let's kill everybody but our man in Havana. The road uh, will proceed to a grisly death. No! What goes on to the next round of Pulitzer Squid Game is Philip Roth's, what, like sixth or seventh best book? Yeah, maybe. It's not in the top five. Yeah, it's no. in the top ten. Number one is um, Every Man, I think. Yeah, my Savage Theater. Also, Portnoy's Complaint is in the top five. It's incredible. Portnoy's Complaint? It's just incredible. All right. Well, there we go. <laughs> there we have it. All right, buddy. Good work today. Thanks, buddy. Peace, yo. Hey, thanks for listening to the Middle Brown Multiverse. If you'd like to join our army of subscribers, you can do so at patreon.com slash multiverse. There's a free option or a paid option that gives you access to bonus episodes that you might enjoy.